Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Vibe Peaceful Life. And my name is Michelle Moss. And today um, we have a beautiful guest, uh, Justine Shrimpshire. Did I say that right? There's a lot of S's in that name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's pronounced Shrimpshire, but that's okay. It's very, 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 very close. (laughs) Okay, I should have asked you that before we started. But Justine is a new friend of Lauren and myself. And we met Justine, who is from Arizona, Scottsdale, right? From Scottsdale, Arizona, we met Justine and her friend Heather um, at Lewis Howe's Summit of Greatness in Columbus. So this serendipitous meeting goes to what is coming out on a podcast. Um, It'll be out on October 24th. This is coming out later, but it's about how making new friends by being vulnerable. That's a podcast that we did. And this is an example of that. And we actually speak on you, Justine, when we talked about doing this, how you sit down somewhere and meet somebody just by opening up a conversation. Um, And when we met Justine and Heather, um, we connected right away. And Justine and I have a lot of parallel things and similar things in our lives. Um, But welcome, Justine. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. So good to see you again and to hear your voice and to meet up with you. And we've connected several times since then. We, you know, it's so funny because you meet somebody and you're like, oh my gosh, let me have your phone number and we're going to connect on social media. And we've talked on the phone a couple of times and it's just like how fun to connect to people wherever you're at. So we, we, I really was interested in Justine's story because when we talk about overcomer, um, Justine is quite an overcomer. Um, You've had a lot of different trauma in your life. So kind of, speak on that started a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, And I think that we were destined to meet that night by sitting where we were sitting and it was just an interesting night, but uh, even the connections that happened in the next few days have brought us to where we are today. So, and I felt very safe. I'll tell you, uh, Michelle, with you and Lauren telling my story, you know, you meet strangers and you think they ask you questions and, Sometimes you'll tell and sometimes you'll just, you know, leave a little bit out. I, I didn't leave anything out. And I think that's because I felt so safe with you, um, which is why I'm here today. But um, my life is, I would tell you right now, I am grateful for my life. I lead a very um, happy life. I lead a blessed life. But it, it took a long time to get here. <laughs> and it started in um, pretty much early childhood trauma, um, I'll start with just, and when I sometimes say these things out loud, I think it doesn't even sound real. And when I've met people throughout the years and told them part of my story or all of it, they think, did that really happen to you in one person? You know, because mm-hmm. um, sometimes I think in life we think, well, I've had this trauma, so now I'm, I'm safe and I'm not gonna have anything else bad happen. And that's not really true. That's, that's a really interesting perspective. And I, I teach that, you know, life keeps coming large and small things keep coming. And that is true. You have to, but the good news is once you've experienced some hard things, you have some tools that kind of come with that, that help you deal with the next hard thing. Yeah. So it just basically, I think my first hardship was my father's suicide. Um, When I was 13, he committed suicide in our backyard at night. Um, I heard the shot 
and I'm the oldest out of four children. We were, were all four born within five years. So my mom was only 33 and my dad was 34. And uh, he had a very, very unhappy life. He was an alcoholic, he'd been abused, um, but he was also abusive as far, you know, to us, as far as very volatile, angry person, but also depressed. Um, and back in the 70s, they didn't do a lot about that. They didn't know what to do about depression the way they do now. And so um, I think he, you know, was going to die young. He just was very unhappy. and. That was my first shot of understanding what happiness meant because I thought at 13 years old, well, I saw him smiling the other day. What do you mean he wasn't happy? You know, I didn't know what that meant. And nobody um, really talked so about that. Like nobody talked about that stuff. We didn't. And um, I think in the 70s, you know, I actually was the one that told my mom when I was 17, I think I need therapy. I don't think I'm handling dad's death well. I mean, I was. I was an overachiever. I was getting straight A's. I was a cheerleader. I mean, I did everything you should do, but I wasn't really, I knew I wasn't really happy inside and I couldn't pinpoint why I didn't make the connection that a trauma like that can, you know, you have abandonment issues. There's all kinds of issues. So, you know, I finally did that for myself and that's how I got, you know, interest in psychology and um, as you know, I'm a life coach now, but I have a degree in sociology from UC Davis. Um, so, you know, I think that's why I became interested in all that. I wanted to feel, see how people heal and, and that helped me heal myself. Um, moving forward, you know, there were other normal things in life, you know, that you lose people in your life, grandparents and things like that. But um, my husband and I, right after graduating college, moved to Arizona and we have three children. And then um, right before moving to Arizona, and the other second traumatic thing that happened is I was um, attacked by a man that held a knife to my neck. And it was in 1984, my daughter was 10 days old. We were planning already to move to Arizona. My husband was already here. And um, I was in the laundry room during the day at 2.30 in the afternoon and he came up behind me and put a knife to my neck. Uh, he did let me go. In the end, I had to explain to him as I was, you know, very upset sobbing that I had just had a baby and, you know, I begged for my life. I begged, please don't, please don't rape me. Please let me go. And I thought he'd take me out the back door and put me in a car somewhere. You know, your life flashes through your I, mind. I can imagine all of these things. I mean, and you talked him off the cliff, basically, to save your life. I did. I did, and I don't even know how I, I mean, I don't even know. I just feel like somebody was watching out for me. My grandfather said that. He called me afterwards. He was up in Idaho, and he said, honey girl, someone was watching out for you up there. And, and I think that was it because, you know, I've gone through, I, I actually worked, you know, during, uh, on a rape crisis center during my sociology degree. And I re remember working with women and wondering how they ever got through it. And even me, I mean, holding a knife to someone's neck, that's traumatic. That, you think you're going to die. You don't know what's going to happen next. Um, but he didn't even rape me, and it, was, it traumatized me for years, you know, just years looking over my shoulder, not going anywhere alone and things like that. And 
you know, I think I took a little bit of time to deal with that because I was moving. Again, I had a brand new baby. We were moving to Arizona to start a new life. And so I kind of put that on the back burner and didn't realize till later on, I was having nightmares about it. Um, you know, he was never caught. Uh, it started, you know, no one ever called me as far as I knew the investigation was closed, but so, so you, so you were having PTSD responses. You were having PTSD. Absolutely. I was, and didn't know that either until I went through more therapy. It was almost like each subject needed its own, um, and which I, that's how I, why I believe in therapy. And I believe in, you know, going back and, and sometimes one issue is addressed. And then another time you've got to address another issue to learn how to work through it, to learn, you know, to make those tools. But again, being a busy mother and then, you know, we did have three children. So we were very involved parents and life got busy, but I did, uh, you know, st study it and go through it and, um, and move forward after that. And that's my, I know you and I've talked about that phrase before that we like that phrase moving forward, because mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to get over something, but moving forward is definitely possible. Yeah. So I think those two things, you know, in my life, I thought, well, and we had everyday problems, like every, every family does, you know, ups and downs, but I kind of thought I was immune to anything really, really bad happening <laughs> again. And then um, in 2007, that's when our son TJ passed away. And he was our middle child. He was 21. Uh, we just had the anniversary last September. September 14th is his passing date. Um, he, he and our daughter, Sheena, were two years apart. And then our youngest son, Pat, is five years younger than TJ. So we had the three of them within seven years. And, um, you know, I really remember thinking, and I've never been a why me, for me type of person, but I do remember thinking, what am I, why did this happen? You know, after everything that I've overcome, moved forward from, I'm being tested again, or why is this happening? My family is being tested. And, um, how, how did my how, journey? How did you and your um, family, when this happened to TJ, how did this, how did you and your husband deal with it? How did your other two children, you know, as a family, the dynamics, how did that, how did you guys navigate that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And really part of where, why we are where we are today. Um, I like to say our family's not only surviving, but we're thriving um, in, in the immediate you know, beginning, we all just stuck together. Uh, my daughter was about to, wanted to possibly at that point move to California. She wasn't sure, but had some ideas about that. And then she decided to stay. Our youngest son was only a sophomore in high school. He had a lot to go through. Um, so we ended up just really sticking together as a family and surrounding ourselves with people that I would say and this is for all grieving parents and anybody out there listening, surround yourself with people who, who lift you up, who allow you to be who you are in the way that you're going to be at that moment. After the, you know, the death of a child is not the natural order of things. So I feel that it comes with, it's more, it's more of a complicated grief because you never think you're going to outlive children. Mm -hmm. So you've got to, move through that 
Um, we did have one, my, my son played football at the time. Um, and I'll, sometimes I'll refer to my two children as my living children because I still consider TJ my child. He's just not here anymore. So you'll hear me say my living children and that's them. But he was on the um, varsity football team as a sophomore and his coach was amazing. And at, the whole football team was at TJ services and the whole school. We had a very, very, very strong loving community that, that supported us. But um, he, he came over to our house the week after the services. So maybe only a couple weeks after TJ passed and said to my husband and I, cause we'd been married, let's say we've been married 39 years now. So at that point, um, you know, how old were the kids? So 24 years, something like that. Um, and he's, and people kept telling us, you know, oh, be careful because after the loss of a child, a lot of people get divorced. And I, you know, couldn't even think about that or even ponder that, you know. Um, but this, this uh, coach who was a deacon in his church sat us down and he said, you're going to go through this together, but separately allow each of you to grieve the way you're supposed to grieve and don't judge the other person. And we, I think we had already begun doing that, not really knowing it, but that really resonated with me. And so that's what we did. My husband needed to go back to work right away. He needed to be around people. I needed to stay home. I needed to curl up and, and just see certain people and not everybody and just really think and read and process. And I think those were such wise words because if you allow each other and not be judgmental of how the grief process is going, you can grieve your way, your husband can grieve his way, but you can respect that without, you know, that judgment can get in there. Why aren't you doing it like me? I, we had another lady that lost a child, um, Lauren, and she had the same kind of thoughts because her husband and her are both grieved differently, but they respected that. Yes. Yeah. And, and I've joined, I've belonged to a lot of different groups over the years. I've met a lot of grieving parents. I've worked with some in my own life coaching practice, but a lot of times I just talk to people you know, an outreach, somebody will ask me to call somebody or they'll reach out to me. And so I've had this conversation with a lot of people and I've asked people that have been divorced afterwards, you know, what, what do you think it was? Was it the death of the child, the loss of the child? And they have always said, we weren't strong enough to begin with. There were already issues and all, all marriages have issues, but sometimes if you aren't strong in that area, then you really can't be there to support each other, you know? And in getting back to my family, we all had to grieve, you know, in different ways. And it's different for each of us. You know, I'm a mother losing a son. My husband's a father losing a son. He put his grief off for a long time, I think, to be there for us. He was very, very strong. Um, and then my daughter and son, you know, not only were grieving the loss of their brother, they were worried about us. Mm -hmm. You know, how are we going to get through it? And I, my my daughter tells the story that it was that following year, and I think it had only been the one-year mark, and it's when we took some of TJ's ashes to Newport Beach to be with our, one of our family places. She and my son and his girlfriend at the time went to Disneyland, and they got stuck on the Matterhorn backwards. And her first thought was, oh, my gosh, my parents can't lose another child. Oh, my gosh. And she didn't even think about herself. It was more, and, and when she told me that, I realized, Boy, they've probably worried about us a lot more than I 
they really knew. Um, and thank goodness they, they did tell me things throughout the years and we've had some great conversations and we've gone back to things. And my son that just got married this year, it was difficult for him to not have his brother here in, in the wedding. And um, we talk about that, that it's not only grieving the loss of TJ, it's grieving the loss of his future mm-hmm. and our future without him. You know, there are things that he's missing and that we're missing him while we're there. And, um, well, and it also actually, makes, it also makes that grief reappear because it's never linear, but when you have an event, a life event, a wedding, a birth of a child, a move, something, those are those times when it's like fresh grief all over again, going through the process yeah. of grief because you're, it's reigniting it. It really is. And having said that, you know, I like that you said it's not linear because it's not. I mean, people will talk about the five stages of grief. I don't think there are. I think there are more and I think they come and go. It's not Mm -hmm. like you check them off the list and okay, it's done. It's not. Um, And getting back to, to, you know, those events, my about again, right. Maybe a little bit after that Disneyland trip, I asked my daughter, we were just hanging out together. And I said, so how do you Think I would check in with my kids because I would think I was doing well or, or survive. And at that point, I was probably only just surviving, not really enjoying life that much, but I was trying to. And I say, you know, how are, tell me what your thoughts are and what, how do you think dad and I are doing? And she said, actually, I think you're doing really well. I mean, if you had, uh, you know, I know you're still grieving and it's going to be forever, but if you'd done something negative, like turn to drugs or alcohol, then I wouldn't be able to say that but you're doing, you're taking all the right steps. And she, and I said, is there anything that you're worried about? And she said, yeah, I am. I'm worried that, you know, when Patty, his name's Patrick, our youngest, we call him Patty. When Patty, you know, graduates from high school and then college, or when I get married and he gets married, I'm worried that you guys are always going to be missing TJ and wishing he was there. And I thought about that for a minute. And I said, well, we will, you know, we will be missing him, but I promise you, and at that point, I didn't know how I'd get to this point, but I did say, I promise you, I will not make, I will not let our grief define the moment. So we, every celebration that we've had, we've had, we've made it joyous. You know, we haven't made it all about TJ. He's there, you know, he's with us. He's respected in a certain way um, with each event. Um, even the holidays, you know, we still put a little stocking out for him and I put an ornament in it for him. And we just, we, we make him still a part of our family, but it's not all about that. I love that. I think that's so important. You're honoring TJ and and he's still a part, but he's not, it's not taking away from the joy. I think that that message is beautiful. Right. Thank you. And, and then I, and I think I've kept that promise to my children because I, and to us, you know, for all of us, just to move forward, we've, we've continued to celebrate life and it, and it, it, it isn't easy. And I've mentioned to you, that's kind of how our family has st- done it. We've stayed together, you know, we're, we're close, but I've mentioned to you, there was a time for me when it became a choice. And I think people have a hard time understanding that. I've even said that to other grieving parents and they will say, but it wasn't a choice for me to have my son pass. And I say, but it is a choice what you're gonna do next. And no judgment from me at all 
or for any a grieving parent out there as to how they do it. There are a lot of grieving parents who kind of have stayed very, you know, sheltered and cocooned and they stay away from a lot of people and that's what works for them and that's okay. Um, we've chosen to have grieving parents as friends and support, but also people that are in our, you know, immediate family or close friends that I call family. We've had them as support as well. I didn't want to shut any doors on either. I felt like I needed all of it, not just one or the other for me. And um, that's, that has really helped us in moving forward too, as a family, you know, just. I love that when the way you're speaking on this, when we talk about what tools you used or what's, what helped you, the number one thing I hear, which is as a therapist, I preach this is communication. You talk about TJ, you talk, you ask open-ended questions. You're not afraid to hear. So to your daughter, what do you think? Or what are you feeling? Or what are you seeing? Or what are you noticing? You put things in, in, into the world to talk about it. And then the other big giant piece is the support network, bringing people in that have gone through similar experiences, bringing in people who love you and you love. And I love that we talked about this before too, the chosen family, you know, they might not yeah. be biologically your kin, but they are your family because you've chosen and you've connected and you trust and you love and all that stuff is so important. So the communication and the support network. And, and, and I, I also know that you put it outward, you are helping other people, you know, that's another way to move forward is to be a support for others. And I think that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's true. That's exactly what it, what it has been for us. And you got to meet one of my support people. That was Heather. She was there the very night it happened and she has been there. She and her husband ever since. And, um, you know, with that, they were the people that allowed us to be who we are. And a lot of times, and, I do like to support people that are surrounding grieving parents as well, because I kind of feel like, first of all, how could you know what it's like to lose a child if you haven't lost a child? So there's a lot of people who are so loving and caring and want us to be okay, but they don't really know how to do it or what to say. And so I'll get a lot of questions from people like that. They'll, they'll call me and say, what do I say? I know somebody and I'll tell them what's worked for me. Um, and that's the people like that I've kept in my life have been that too. But my, my very first thing I like to tell people is just follow their lead, allow them to be who they are. They're not the same person. How could they be? Right. You know, there'd be something pretty wrong with someone who could jump right back out and be that person. I, I have a feeling that there's a lot of people in our lives that miss the old us, you know, they, they miss us, but I encourage the people surrounding someone that's lost a child to get to know the new them. You know, you've got a chance to get to know who they are and what this, you know, the depth of their, their grief is going to change them. And I think that's been really helpful for us. Um, you know, that were, I was going to say a good question too, that I always encourage even couples, not necessarily losing a child, but in any situation, when you don't know what to say, sometimes it's as simple as saying, how can I support you today? And it might just be, I just need a hug or I, nothing or, I mean, but you're giving them the option to share if they do need something specific. Exactly. I think that's a great way to put it, Michelle, because, and the word today is important. I had a, a friend, I 
you know, we the holidays came shortly after TJ passed. It was really difficult, but we were invited to a few things here and there. And there were some things we said no to and some things we did go. But one of my friends came up to me and she said, how are you doing today? Because the, the, the word, how are you doing? It's like, that's so open-ended <laughs> because you're, well, we lost a child, you know, six weeks ago. I don't know what to say. You know, I'm not doing very well. And I know, I know people don't want to hear that, but I thought that was a great way for her to put it. And, um, and what you all, you know, because I could talk about today. Well, today I had a good day. You know, today I did this and today, but um, I don't have to talk about how all of it is because it's, it's a lot. You know, and it's, it's overwhelming, very overwhelming to try to put it all. If you really want to know, I mean, I got it four or five or six hours, I can tell you, but, but that specific is in this moment, you know. Exactly. And, and then just like what you said, you know, how can I support you today? Or even, I don't know, if, I, I'd rather have someone say, I can't imagine what you're going through. I don't know what it feels like, but I'm here to walk by your side in any way you need me. And not have any attachment to that, you know, like not push us to do things we're not ready to do or say, this should be good for you. Do right. this, you know. Right. It's got to be yours. And then, mm -hmm. so having said all that, have you had anyone in your life, and I mean, obviously not naming names, but have you had anyone that sort of made you feel like you needed to hurry up and be done and you needed to hurry up and be better and you needed to hurry up and get over this? I mean, has that happened to you? Because I know in grief settings, sometimes people have these expectations. Yeah, it, yes, I have. And it's been, that's been difficult to deal with, but I would always try to tell I'm thinking of one person in particular that you know basically thought we had a year and that's kind of the old school you've got a year to get over things it's like I don't ever say we'll, we're never going to get over our child because when you say the word over that means we're done mm -hmm. I've already said TJ's still part of our family he's still our child he just doesn't live with us anymore mm -hmm. and so I, I will try to just encourage those people to say you know, but it's never going to be over for us. It doesn't mean I'm not going to move forward. It doesn't mean I'm not going to find joy. I can do both. You know, please allow me to do both. And um, I, I think I, I even I remember one person saying, well, weren't you ready? Didn't you want to just get back out there? And I said, well, what does get back out there mean? <laughs> it's different for everyone. And we there are certain things we still don't like to do. Uh, crowds are very, very difficult for us. Um, we don't go to movies anymore. We watch movies at home. I, it, it just kind of happened right afterwards where it's like, you don't really want to be around a lot of people, especially in the beginning, because people are just being human and they're talking about human things and that bother them. And, and that's why a grieving parents sometimes stay away from, from other people or groups of people because um, we don't want to hear the worst thing in the world is when I lost my designer purse. You know, like my people that will say things, they're just being human, but we're thinking, no, that's not the worst thing in the world. You well, know? And, and did you also notice that there's a piece of being around other people when you're going through this hard thing and life just keeps going on and they're doing these things and it's hard to be around people that are doing, oh, we're going out to dinner, we're doing this or we're doing that or talk like normal everyday yeah. things are yeah. almost overwhelming because they it's are. not normal anymore. Right. And I remember saying that I kept saying to my husband, because I tried to go back to work 
for a while and then I couldn't. So they, I took a FMLA leave, which was great. And that helped me be with my kids, my living kids. And just, you know, I was, you know, getting up every day. I was doing things. I was helping with my son's high school and stuff like that. But I just didn't want to be in a work sitting setting. It just wasn't, I kept saying, I just don't fit into the world anymore. And it was more because of that. And, um, and again, that's why a lot of grieving parents will stay away. And I, I'm not blaming people that for saying the things they say. Um, about a year after TJ passed, we were at a, you know, football happy hour with a bunch of moms, and some of them, their children were going off to college that next year, and they were talking about how horrible that was and how devastating that was. And I just sat quiet, and my friend that was next to me grabbed my hand because she understood what I was thinking, and I really wanted to say but that's not horrible it's not awful it is for you right now mm -hmm. but i look at it the empty nest is a different thing i think there's just permanent time. right permanent. Mine's permanent i don't get to i think back in the day it was skype now we have <laughs> facetime but you know i don't get to do that with my child right now so it's not that i'm saying they shouldn't say that and they shouldn't feel that they should you know that their experience but but you react to it yeah, and it's very hard to be around. And again, I think that's why, and having talked to a lot of grieving parents, that's why they pull back and don't want to be out there with people because, again, people are just being human. They're living their lives. And we're thinking, I don't know how to do that. Yet, right. You know, and so once we get to that point, it gets easier. Well, and, and you just you just said another coping, another coping skill that I heard, you know, the communication sharing about TJ and the support network and supporting others but also you mentioned routine when you were home you got up you did the things you were with your kids you you know and i think that routine also gives you a sense of control when things feel out of control as well absolutely and i would tell people that you know get out and walk get out and even if you don't feel like it you kind of fake it <laughs> fake it till you make it sort of a thing um and it's not that simple but you know drinking water, just taking in the fresh air, you know, just try to try to focus on one day at a time. That's recovery, you know, in anything, it's one day at a time. And you're right, that's exactly what we And how, how do you find at this point, we, we call it self-care, but, you know, I've also start sort of shifted to calling it rest, you know, uh -huh. which rest can also equal peace. How do you find your rest, your peace, your ways of, of filling you up? Yeah, that's a good question too. And it's, it's changed over the years, but I'm also, an, I love to read. I'm an avid reader. Um, that's one of the things that I'll do. And it doesn't have to be, you know, sometimes right after TJ died, I just wanted to read fiction. It was kind of interesting. Everybody was giving me all these books, all these, you know, self-help books. And at that point I thought I I can't read that. And why do you think, why do you think you fiction was it? Why did you want to read fiction? What do you think? I wanted to escape. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Jump in and escape and block out everything. And that's a great, uh -huh. great way to cope. That's healthy, you know, temporary yeah, that, that's what I did. And it was kind of interesting. Um, later on when I was ready, um, well, and I still do things like that. I meditate, I do yoga and love yoga. I feel like it's just the whole mind, body, spirit thing. Um, those are the ways that I rest and, and actually just being around my, my living children and now three grandchildren. And we have a you know, beautiful new daughter-in-law and a son-in-law 
uh, that came into our lives. Uh, they, my daughter's been married eight years now, but it's just, just being around that and them, it shows you that, that life does go on. It can go on. It can be happy. Um, I'm glad I made that choice because I, I always say, you know, there for the grace of God, go I, I could have been one of the people and no judgment because this is what has, it has to work for them. But one of the people that just said, I don't want to do all those things. It's just too hard. Um, it's very hard to grieve. It's very hard to grieve the loss of a child and, you know, taking care of yourself really, it does have to start there and it feels selfish sometimes, but once you're there, once you're, you feel that you you know, can move forward and you're back, then you're there for everybody else. And it almost gives them uh, a permission to do so as well. You know, they can, they can see my, for my kids, my, my husband and I, you know, what we're doing in life. Hopefully we're a good example. You know, we're not perfect parents, no parent is, but hopefully we've been a really good example about that for them and, and for their future. Well, and lost yeah, and I think, I'm sorry to interrupt. There's some little bit of a lag here, so I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, I, I love that another example that you've done for your children and then for your grandchildren is that you're not afraid of the hard topics. You didn't bury, we're not allowed to talk about TJ. We can't talk about our feelings. We can't, you know, you advocated for hearing what they had to say and sharing what you guys all felt and going about this in a way that it's collective and healing because so many people that do the opposite. And I know you say what works for them, but some things do work better than others because then it can fester if you don't. And so I love that you can, you made that, that was normalized, that we can talk about the hard things, no matter what the hard thing is. And that's important exactly. to hear. Yeah, thank you. And, and a good example is that as I wear um, TJ's thumbprint around my neck, it's his that we actually had the um, mortuary take his thumbprint. It's called, the company's called Thummies that does it. I'd heard about it a year before he died. So I knew right away I wanted to do it. And then I have my, the three children's birthstones above that. And my grandchildren, ever since they're little, you know how they'll touch jewelry. They've always touched that and they, their little fingers will fill his thumbprint. And I'll say, that's TJ, that's uncle TJ. So the six and a half year old has begun asking a lot of questions and that's good. We encourage the questions and we talk about them. And, uh, and then but that just, then they'll say TJ, you know, they'll just say his name. And so we keep it open. It's not going to be, don't talk about Mm -hmm. um, TJ. You know, I I won't ever do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I won't make it the topic of every family get together and conversation, but I want them to know him. And as they get older, know about him, you know, and, and maybe, you know, that would, that'll be an example for them. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they won't ever have this type of a loss but how to live life after loss. That's one of my missions is, is trying to, to continue to live life after loss, a, a good life, a fun life, you know, and I want my grandchildren to see that too. So that they need, they'll know. They'll yeah. Know about oh, I, I think, I think you guys are doing a wonderful example of, of, of all of that. And, and teaching others. I think that's beautiful that people can reach out. And that's, so that's part of your coaching. You um, work with parents who have lost children. Is that part of your coaching? Yep. That's part of my coaching. I I'll, I'll coach around, you know, as all coaches do different, different things, but I think those are the people that are drawn to me. Mm -hmm. 
uh, mostly. Um, I remember getting some grief therapy and I loved this therapist. I still send her a Christmas card every year. But um, I, after that, I thought, okay, it is what it is. Now I need more. And that's when I did go back to school to do my life coaching certification. And, and um, I feel like for me, going through that was even helpful and and it allowed me to to go within and examine some of my own stuff um so coaching is a lot about you know moving forward here i am now i am where i am now um but it's not therapy i think they're all necessary i just think that you've got to be in a certain place you know to be ready for it but, but that's what i do um i encourage people to use whatever tools work for them um one of the, yeah, one of the things I did want to mention was it, like books were great for me. I read a couple of wonderful books. Do you mind if I mention them? No, go ahead. Well, and again, I couldn't do books in the beginning, but once I was ready to read a book, you don't want to read a big, thick, 500-page self-help book. You know, some of the, sometimes the smaller ones are the best. One of the books I read, and you can still find it online, his name is Charlie Walton, and it's called when there are no words and he ended up losing two sons on the same night oh but my he, his chapters in the book yeah his chapters in the book are very very short they're easy to read it talks about grieving the future you know talk grieving the loss of the future and it was something I could really resonate and so I've recommended that book to a lot of my um, clients and uh, people around them and the other one is by um, Elizabeth Edwards, and she wrote Resilience. I think I'm saying her name right. But she, all I knew about her, it was probably three years or so, not even that after TJ passed, and I was listening to today's show, and she was a politician's wife that something happened. I, I don't know if I have her name right, but I saw her on the Today Show, and she said, they were asking her questions. She had cancer at the time, but she'd gone through a divorce, and she said, you know, I think they asked her, what made you want to move forward? And she said, well, I have three living children. And I remember going, oh, my gosh, she's speaking my language because that's how I refer to my kids as living children. I said, did she lose a child? And I, I Googled her and she wrote a book called Resilience. She'd lost a son years before any of the whole stuff came out with poli in politics. Her husband was a politician. But I didn't pay attention to that. What I paid attention to was, oh, I want to read her book. Mm -hmm. because she does talk a lot about moving forward. I wanted to, to be around people like that. It should. Mm -hmm. But to call me because I wanted to talk to people that were farther down the line, like were they so that's part of my journey and I healing. I, I think you've done a lot of, and even when you're working with other people, helping as a coach, you still get to help yourself and learn from everybody that you talk to, too. That's what I always love about my job. I learn from every client that comes my way, keeping that open. I appreciate, I, yeah, I appreciate so much um, you sharing your story. And I know there's even more to it. Um, you need to write a book. I think that would be a wonderful way of putting it <laughs> down because we've really only, only touched 
some of, I mean, the main things, but there's a lot of things that I know that you, you and your husband have gone through. And, um, and yet I look at this beautiful smiling woman in front of me and I am just so blessed that I got to meet you and that Lauren got to meet you and that we are going to connect and build this friendship going forward. Is there any, any last words of advice or any other thing that you want to add here before we are done? Um, I would just say, be gentle with you. If you are a grieving parent, um, allow yourself to feel and to heal. And, and, you know, I was good at that sometimes. And sometimes I wasn't, I did a lot of things sometimes to please other people. And that's just human nature, especially if you're a pleaser. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, find a way to, to just be gentle with you. And um, again, surround yourself with the people that lift you up. And uh, my daughter mentioned that recently and I do this for TJ. Um, but that's the other thing. We do celebrate one last thing, um, TJ's birthday. And I don't, maybe celebrate's not the best word. We honor it. TJ's birthday is May 10th every year and his passing date is September 14th. We do something, whether it's big or small, we, we make his favorite food, we get together with everybody. And that's partly because I only have two dates. I, this is kind of for people that haven't lost a child that don't know why people do this. I don't, I'll never be able to celebrate a job, you know, for promotion with today or him purchasing a house. I won't get to do that with him, but I can honor those two days. And he is. Well, unfortunately, I have lost my friend, so I'm going to I'm going to click off. But as always, oh, there you are, you're back. I am so sorry, I lost you for a moment. Um, so, I know, I said you froze. <laughs> so I, yeah, I that's the, the great. The great thing is we can connect across the country, but the bad thing is it's we're still at the mercy of of our technology. So. Um, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and click off, but I thank you, Justine, for sharing your story. You are an amazing overcomer. Your family is wonderful. Um, and, and again, you know, I am so sorry you lost TJ and I'm impressed in the way you are honoring him. Um, thank so, you. Yeah. So thank, I appreciate thank you for your podcast. I'm sorry to interrupt you now, but I just love your podcast. It's always, it, there's something for everyone on there and I learned something you know, with whatever subject I'm listening to. I love that. So I really appreciate you inviting me on here and uh, we'll definitely connect a lot more. We've got lots of plans ahead, don't we? A hundred percent. I am, I, like I said, it's a blessing to meet so many wonderful people. Um, I, I will continue to chat with you for a moment, but um, I want our listeners to just appreciate and, and resonate with what Justine shared with us today. And as always, listeners, stay cheeky.